Cinephiles fans, uh, welcome to our first live episode of 2024 here on the Cinephiles YouTube channel. I am one of your co-hosts. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by Steve uh, Morris there. Uh, Steve, happy new year. How you doing? How you feeling on this uh, Friday of the second week of January? Happy New Year. You know what? I'll tell you what, I'm feeling a lot better, and I know you are too, than both of us would have been had we done this, I think, on December 31st, yes. which yeah. was our initial plan. That was, we had both had a rough week. I think you were yeah. sick, and so yeah. I'm doing really, really well. How about you? Good. Yeah, me too. I'm a lot better. Yeah, bounced back. Certainly those two weeks uh, transitioning from uh, the old year into the new year were a bit rough for me as well, and I ended up uh, missing out on a couple of award shows for my uh, uh, critics organization, which really sucked, but you know, you got to stay home. You got to get healthy. And finally, yeah. the last few days over the last week, I finally started to feel somewhat normal. So now no excuses. Got to stick to the resolutions now. So now once you start to feel better, it's like you actually got to put stuff in motion, you know, so because I get well, weird when I'm sick. I don't know about you. When I'm when I get sick, I'm like, when I get better, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to lift all the weights in the world. And it's and then you start to feel better. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm a little exhausted. So it's weird how things like things are taken from you, you you want them more, but once they're available to you, you're like, eh, I'll get around to it. So it's an interesting experience for me. I don't know if that happens for you, but that certainly no, does for I, me. I'm going to have to start off this uh, New Year's celebration with a strong disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you, first of all, you said there are no excuses now. Now I have to do it. I'm like, bullshit. There are excuses. You can always find excuses. You're being too easy on yourself, sir. That's fair point. Fair point. <laughs> it's a good point. Second thing is, uh, no, I don't. No, I. You know what? I have way more the opposite instinct. Mm. Like when I get sick or when I'm stressed, it isn't the New Year's resolution. It is the when I'm done with this. It is pizza and movies and <laughs> some cocktails. It's definitely. I mean, I do definitely have the. But it, 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 it's yeah. it's a different cycle because it's after the pizza and the movies and the cocktail that it's like, all right, man. <laughs> now you got to get up but it's definitely not when i'm sick that's not how i'm feeling yeah i just don't like the feeling of losing strength for me that's a big deal i feel so weak because i don't i don't think i get sick like other people get sick like when i go down i feel like a truck has run me over and i have no strength no energy and it's so unusual for me because i'm have such a high energy approach to the world that it just it really kind of uh, makes me um unsettled by how i'm feeling uh and it makes me feel not normal and so it, I get desperate to get back to that place. You know, as uh, we spoke about already on the show, when I had COVID, it was just maddening the two weeks of hell that I went through physically. And other people like Shannon McClung has got COVID again. He did the whole hour and 15 minutes of the Geek Buddy show earlier today with COVID. I would not have been able to do that if I had gotten COVID again. So it's just interesting how certain things affect bodies differently. Uh, and as we get older, it certainly becomes something that's very focused. And uh, and speaking of older, uh, Steve, we've crossed over into a new year. So uh, yes. we are all, we are all older. The world is older. The country is older. Movies are older. And all of you watching us and listening to us later on uh, are older as well. But we're going to have some fun today talking about um, the looking back on 2023 and some of the big stories from 2023, the things we want to discuss. And we're going to look forward to 2024 and see if there's some movies or some trends that we want to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, we love doing that here as a, as a New Year's Eve show. And um, uh, your Streamlabs and Super Chats would be most welcome, especially as this is the first episode of the New Year live. Send in any questions thoughts or comments that you might have for Steve and I, the Streamlabs address I will 
pin it in the chat, but it's in the description of the video, and it's certainly uh, up there on the screen for you all to send stuff in as we go along. Steve, uh, dealer's choice for you, man. I'll default as I'm hosting the show, the guests should get the first uh, first shot at this thing. What do you want to talk about from 2023, and what are your overall thoughts about 2023, I guess, first off? Well, you get you said it was my choice, and then you made my choice for me. Oh, right. Well, I have fine. to give my oh, tw- no, 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 no. I'll give my anyway, give me your overall thoughts, and then choose where you want to go. All, All right. right. Yeah. Uh, my overall thoughts, and I think it was a really interesting year for film. And I think mm. I think there are there are I will say just in general, there are a lot of stories. This was a very there were yeah. some triumphs that were completely surprising. There were tremendous reversals in terms of the strikes. In terms yeah. of dealing with AI, there were tremendous flops and tremendous, you know, bad bets and strategic choices that ended up wrong, and there are big risks being taken. So I, I yeah. think I, I'm not going to say this is the greatest year of film or or the most important year of film, but it clearly is an important transitional year for film. That's that's my point. what's your general feeling about it? Yeah, I would say so. I think it was not a great year for film, but I thought it was a damn good year for movies as well. And I thought we saw more of the international flavor of films come through, certainly Triple R in 2022 being a big deal for people. But this year we had, uh, or sorry, this past year, 2023, we had quite a number of films come over from different countries and uh, get into the mix of films that people want to talk about, Anatomy of a Fall, Zone of Interest. There are quite a lot of films here uh, that uh, that broke through, certainly on the Asian market as well, more Korean films, more of that approach, Japanese films uh, and Chinese films coming through. So I thought film-wise, the movie-going audience was exposed to a lot of different types of films in maybe ways that they haven't in quite some time. We also saw we also saw like the um, beginning of the um, how can I say this the lessening of the power of the superhero movie in theaters, oh, yeah. not only with Marvel but DC as well. We saw that very clearly. Questions about Star Wars as we had no movie from Star Wars at all come out uh, in this uh, previous year of 2023. But we started to see things like Barbenheimer, which was an anomaly. One of these things, Steve, you know, you and I have both watched movies for years. We've we've monitored um, movie going tastes and and, uh, what the movie going public likes and doesn't like. We've been on top of that kind of stuff. And Barbenheimer is one of those once in a lifetime type things that happens where two movies just come out at the same time, seem to feed off each other, and then shoot to the moon. So I thought there were a lot of interesting things to explore through the quarters of each uh, section of 2023 in terms of the movie-going situation. And as we go into 2024, it certainly feels like the public is starting to turn away from these tentpole pictures as a necessary thing to have in the theater and starting to look and hunt for more interesting, nuanced, layered, complex fare that is out there for them to enjoy, which I think is a good thing. I I, I agree. I think I think you know, like all giant moments in film, it's kind of good when they pass. You know yes, what I mean? Right. You know, right. like like it, it, a certain thing is great for a while, and then it's good to have a change. Yes. I, I have a qu- I have a question for you, and it, sure. it, it's 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 like I'm going to ask you the exact same question you just answered, but framed differently. Okay. And here here because here's what I've been thinking about. I was like, you 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 know, I'm I'm a movie goer and a movie mm-hmm. lover, but you're actually sitting in a different position in the world, which is that you spend your this is your life yeah. is yeah. what is happening in the film industry, and what sure. I was curious about is for at the Roca says 
for the outlaw nation, for the geek buddies and the hot mic and having yeah. to do this day after day after day of really observing this yeah. was 2023 fun as, as a critic, as well, someone looking at film in this way, was it a fun year to talk about this stuff? I thought it was an exhausting year and an exciting year at the same time. That's what I would say. It was exhausting because these new subjects came up that we had to navigate and deal with like the strike, you know, and as someone who runs a YouTube channel, but is also a SAG actor, but doesn't live in Los Angeles, there were a lot of um, questions I had to ask myself about going forward with my channel during a strike when you got some kind of nebulous right. directions about whether you should talk about struck work or not talk about struck work. So that was a very new experience for me, but I was excited to see the amount of people who were willing to go out there and protest and march and picket every day in different sections of the city in order to make these studios see that we were united in the battle uh, against um, uh, against the studios in these negotiations for the Writers Guild as well, uh, SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild all coming together to have this. So I was very inspired and excited by that, but exhausted in the fact of like, well, what am I supposed to cover? What am I not supposed to cover? And then you toss in AI and you're like, well, how much of this is good? How much of this is not good? Initially starting out, you know, I've always had a fear of AI taking over. We've already, we've already established that very strongly, but seeing it come on, I was actually really excited about some of the stuff we saw in AI, some of the artwork, some of the um, designs that you could create with AI, uh, the uh, possibilities in AI, but then I also had to factor that in. Well, how is that going to affect employment for people who are actors, right. for people who do voiceover? So, you know, even directors down the road and writers and screenwriters, like there's all kinds of stuff. So it is a massive transitional year, I think, but I was excited by a lot of what we saw and the possibilities of what's to come, excited by a lot of the new voices out there in terms of directors and creators and writers and actors and producers. Um, but I was also exhausted by the fact that there is so much coming, so many points of view, so many um, nuance um, that is, is is on this. And also exhausted and excited by the fandom, seeing people excited about movies again that weren't just tentpole films, but also seeing how many toxic fan bases came to the forefront all throughout 2023 and caused all kinds of drama um, to exhaust people on so many levels. So, yeah, it was a lot, man. It was a lot. That that's what I was curious about because it used to my sense of reading you know back in the day stories with Pauline Kale and you know the the, the great yeah, critics yeah. of your of like the yeah. studio had a system you know what I mean yeah. and like the the there would be the publicity build for the movie there would be the articles written about the movie the critics yeah. would go to see the movie they would have the you know the press junket or whatever and then you would have the release of the movie and the discussion of the movie and yeah. it's like that's out the window it seems to me you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. It, it's all over the place and there's so much vitriol and so much confusion particularly around the strikes and as you mentioned around things like ai that it's like i don't know how you like it, it's funny it, you mentioned that shannon uh pushed through some covid to do mm. the geek buddies well i was literally out on my walk walking around my neighborhood that's what i was listening to i was like you know i'm a huge <laughs> fan of the geek buddies yes i love the show and I always have this strange experience, which there are certain episodes where you're talking about something and I go, God damn it. I want to be on this show. I want to, I have something I want to say about this, but I would say the vast majority of the time I listen to it. And again, I love the show. Yeah. I go, 
man, I would never want to do this show because <laughs> I don't know how you like the, I'm not good at like this is this thing that's happening right now or this is this movie that's kind of what how do we feel about it and what does it mean? And it's just so much to it, there's so many variables in it. I wouldn't know how to talk about so much of what you guys talk about on the Geek Buddies. Well, I think, first of all, thank you very much for being so complimentary on the show. I, I think for me, it's it's. I'm always learning from other people. Like I'm always reading articles and trying to, you know, a vulture or, uh, or vice, or they're on indie wire or all these numerous sites. You know, I try to, you know, screen rant, sure. Um, uh, some other uh, cinema blend uh, cinema and, uh, what was it another one? Yeah. And variety and THR deadline. Sure. 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 Those are more giving me like the overall, um, facts that I need. But when I want something that's really kind of incisive, I go to Vulture or New York or The New Yorker right. or these other um, um, writers and sites that have more, much more time to explore a topic and give you all the different angles of the topic. So I like that. And I think that helps me in having these conversations with Michael and Shannon. And my, I know Michael and Shannon do the same. We have a text sure. thread where we're just constantly texting about whatever um, and sharing points of views and battling or, or agreeing on these on these things so i think that's um a fun thing to do because i'm always learning as much as i'm talking i'm always learning from other people when they talk as well so it, it, it's but it is exhausting brother because to keep on top of it all the time yeah. literally have to wake up flip open the laptop and just start reading you know it's crazy well, and you don't have the geek buddies to tune into to find out what the hell's going on in the world <laughs> that's how that's how i know what's happening i know there's a piece of me that's like what if what if I just turned it all off? What would happen? Would I be so out of the loop down the road? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, so it's it's your turn. I throw it to you, sir. No, no. I I asked you, right? Didn't I ask you? Um, no, no. I asked you. No, <laughs> I asked you first. <laughs> um. Uh. No, I asked you if you had fun that year, this last year. Well, what about? Well, what about the things we touched on? What are your thoughts? You know, as a filmmaker yourself, as someone who listens to podcasts uh, um, intensely and um, and frequently. Um, what do you sense, like, is going on in the pulse? Like, from the conversations you've heard from some of these podcasts that you listen to besides the Geek Buddies, what is your sense of how people view movies now or view the entertainment industry now through the year of 2023 going into 2024? I, I, I'm going to... I'm going to say this in a couple of different ways. Sure. So, I mean, obviously the biggest thing I think that happened in the entertainment industry is the strikes. Yeah. And and I think in one sense, the strikes were really a triumph in a lot of ways. I mean, mm. I'm obviously, you know, I mean, the, it, people can guess at which side I would support, right. you know, artists and writers and actors and, you know, unions and things like that. I, I really believe in those people. And I think they really, really stuck together in a way that I don't think, I think there are a lot of people thought they wouldn't be able to. Mm. And I think they really, uh, one far more concessions than maybe I thought they would have in the first place. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so I think that's true. I also think, and I think, and I'm, I'm just going to say the most damn depressing thing I can think of, which is there are many, many things going on in the world. And the one that relates to the entertainment industry is AI. Yeah. Where it feels like we're all running towards a cliff. We know there's a cliff. Everybody agrees that there's a cliff and we cannot stop running towards that cliff. And yeah. there are political things that feel that way. There are international relations things that feel that way. Right. Where everyone goes, no, this is this could be really, really bad. We should slow down. I know I can't stop. I can't stop. I have to keep going. And that's how I feel. I think that I think I, the AI thing is coming. 
Yeah, you know, coming. and it is, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And it, it, well, it, you're right. It, it is here, mm. but it, it it's only here this much. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Kind of this much feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to get much, much worse. And we don't know. Like, I mean, I remember when ChatGTP first came out, and there were all of these people, including many, many people who are developers of those systems, that mm. said, "This is dangerous stuff. We should all be really careful. We should all get together and maybe slow this down and come to some agreements about the best way to do this and what yeah. the human rights issues are and all that stuff." And then, like two weeks later, I'm hearing commercials from all these big companies about AI because they realize the only way they can compete in the space is they all have to jump in with both feet. So yeah. it's like, whoa, whoa, this is pretty dangerous, but why we can't stop. <laughs> we got to go do it. And, and I just feel there's so many things in our world that are happening that way. And there doesn't seem to be anybody with the strength or the charisma or the audience or the platform to just say, yeah. hold on. We don't know what we're doing yet. Right. Yeah. And I think so you're right. And I think everyone's running towards this cliff, Steve, thinking that something's going to show up right before we get there or that the net is going to be strong enough to hold all of us when we fall on onto it at the same time. And I think that's absolutely what's happening here. You know, and we're recording this today or we're talking about this live today, um, right on the heels of me reading an article today where uh, Sports Illustrated has laid off a hundred of their staff members and essentially indicating that sports illustrated one of the bedrocks of magazines is uh, looking to be going out of business and that to me is a cataclysmic seismic shift in my life because i've i don't think i can remember an existence without sports illustrated in my life and reading about sports and what have you and so seeing that change and we've seen this across the board with a number of uh, magazines. We've seen this across the board now with some of these websites, entertainment sites that we see a lot of our, or a lot of the people we know, or people we've read, or people that I know and people that I've read um, lose their jobs and get moved into freelance and get seeing the cuts. Like I was offered a job to write a few months, and they're like, "Yeah, it's ten dollars an article." I go, ten dollars an article? Yeah, and it's two hundred fifty words an article. What? So this is what you're dealing with. Is there's a even within the entertainment industry. There's becoming a chasm between the haves and the have-nots. And that's what's causing all this kind of drama and anger and backstabbing and uh, um, uh, uh, betraying each other to get to those exclusive positions that are paid at a certain number uh, versus the people who are working freelance and doing whatever. So it's causing all kinds of changes because they're all moving so fast. The changes are moving so fast. And the, these companies are losing money. They're buying up these sites and then just cutting people left and right. So yeah. it's madness, man. Utter madness. The, the, the One of the very first scary things I ever saw with AI was actually sports writing because mm, yeah. so much of the article that's in your local paper about right. the basketball game that, you know, last night or the, the college game tomorrow, they're very cookie cutter. Because yes, that's why AP used to Boom. Yeah. yeah. It's it's you know in the bottom of the third, so and so hit a home yeah. run to to left field, scoring two runs. And there's and all you have to do is you, you go like, uh, you, you change it to um, so and so knocked one out of the park, bottom of the third, right. two runs were scored. And all you do is change the language, and it's a pr because because we don't expect anything from that article. And so they're like, yeah. yeah, a machine can totally write that. Right. And I'm telling you, there's when I first started seeing samples of AI writing, I went. This is better than many of my students in film school. <laughs> you know, like I could, it wasn't great writing, right? Right, but, but it was there. So yeah, I, th that's that's th that's my thought. So so here's my next question for you. Okay, all right. So we have seen, and you mentioned it as you were talking earlier 
a real retrenchment in the streaming area. Like suddenly they're saying, you know, because it was just we're going to just spend all the money. We're going to yes. put out all the shows. We're yes. going to we're going to dock because all we want to do is get subscribers. And right. then they got to a certain point and realized we're losing money. People aren't staying with our shows. They're not they're not sticking with it. We can't yeah. do this. And so we got Bob Iger coming back. We have all the chaos at Max. We have all this. Do you think do you feel like the streaming world is now with all of this retrenchment and new direction moving in the right direction in 2024? Or do you feel that they still haven't figured it out? Oh, no, I think they still haven't figured it out. And I think what's how can I say this correctly? I think Netflix was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers and through the strikes. I think Ted Sarandos understood that they were the big lion on the block or in the jungle. And all these other new younger lions showed up thinking, well, we're going to survive by doing what the older lion is doing. And then we're going to take out the older lion. But I mean, if you read the behind the scenes stuff on the strikes, it was Netflix who was really pushing the agenda initially to create the strikes and then staying on course and being the holdout, but then also trying to bring everybody together. So it kind of looked like they were all about it. So you see that they were playing this game and where initially the COVID situation helped all these streaming services to blow up and be good. They caused competition for Netflix. Well, what does Netflix do? Let's put a bunch of time here and months where uh, people are out of work. And the, now these companies are going to start to see the effect on their streaming services, the effect on their money and all those kind of things. So all of a sudden you're seeing these streaming services wanting to buy up all kinds of content or combine. Or as we saw with HBO Max, just drop HBO and make it Max. And now we're hearing more and more that there's a possibility of a bunch of streaming services being combined all into one because they can't sustain themselves anymore as individual streaming services because eventually everybody went back to Netflix. And Netflix just stayed the course, stayed the course, stayed the course, and now they're sitting atop the pile all over again. So I think they were way ahead of the game, and these studios were jumping into streaming to stay alive, and they initially did stay alive, but now they're, I think they're all drowning. They're absolutely drowning. So now they're like, well, what do we do with this business model? What do we do with these streaming services? We bought all this content. What do we do? And WB is, is the indicator of what's going to happen right. because they're selling off all their content to everybody. Now you can watch all the WB content for the most part on Netflix. And so that should tell you how that has changed. Whereas all these uh, companies were pulling away their content from Netflix just a few years ago. So first of all, good news for all you Netflix shareholders. Yeah, you're doing, right? you're doing really well um, because Netflix tanked about a year ago, and then suddenly it came all the way back because yep. they clearly had to figure it figured out. I agree. I agree with all that. It's funny. Um, uh, William Goldman's great book, Adventures in the Screen Trade. I had been I'd read it years ago and was waiting forever for it to show up on Audible, which it finally did. And so I listened to it again and was reminded of one of the very first things he says in the book about the entertainment industry, which is that nobody knows anything. Yeah, it's true. And it's it is true. more true now than it ever was. You have all these smart people who go, we got it. We're gonna we're spending this many billion dollars, and you and it's just crumbling because they don't know everything. I don't you probably don't remember this, but Years ago in the era when we were all writing blogs and Vogel mm. had a blog and Dan had a blog and we all had blogs, I wrote a blog about how we should end cable TV. 
And because I thought the model was ridiculous in the way that we're all forced to pay for all this stuff that nobody watched. And what yeah. we really want is we want to watch the stuff that we want to watch and we're right. willing to pay for that. And we don't want to pay for the stuff that we don't want. And right. the model that made sense to me, which I don't think makes sense at all fiscally, I don't think it's reasonable, is that is that we want to get rid of the middlemen between yeah. us and the content we watch. So we want to be able to just watch that. If I want to watch that show, I want to watch that show. Right. But it shouldn't cost me that money. I shouldn't have to buy a $140 cable package because there's one show on one channel that I want to watch once a week, 20 times in a year that I never want to watch that channel again. That just doesn't, right. that model doesn't make sense. And so then when streaming started, I'm like, okay, it's not the model that I thought it was going to, that I wanted, right. but we're still, I mean, I'm, I, I literally did a spreadsheet when we first cut the cord and figured out that we could see everything that we wanted basically and save like $1,700 a year. Yeah. by yeah. cutting the cord. I was like, wow, this is great. That ain't true anymore mm -hmm. because the system that we got has fucked us just as much as cable fucked us. Yeah, yeah. Because if you right. want to watch everything you want to watch, you have to have Netflix and Paramount and Peacock and, you know, and yeah. Disney and Max and all of these. And, you know, and it's like, well, now I'm just spending instead of spending 140 bucks for cable to get everything. Now I'm spending 10 bucks here and nine dollars here. And they're starting, and the whole thing I didn't want was commercials, which I fucking hate commercials. Yes. And now they're going, hey, you know, I forget which one it is, is going, hey, if you want to get 4K, you're going to have to pay money. Otherwise, you're going to get commercials. You know, there's all this stuff. It's like, yeah. come on. That's you Max. Know, give me good service. Yeah. Max has done that. Max has three tiers now, which is an initial tier that's ad supported. I got it for six months for $2.99 on the Black Friday because I had canceled my stuff a few months ago. But, you know, commercials are so annoying when you're watching a show. I'm I'm powering through Warrior, but every 15 minutes, there's two commercials that I don't want to watch that throws off my rhythm, and I can't fast forward through them. I've got to watch the commercials and let them play, which throws me out of the rhythm of the show. The other, the next option, I think, is 150, which is 4K, but commercials, still commercials. And then 200 for the year is what you get, 4K, multiple devices, and no commercials. So yeah, you go like, well, that's what, 10, a little bit over $15 maybe I think a month is what it comes out to. But then you start to add all like Paramount Plus is $100. Right. Netflix is a certain amount. Netflix has gone up. Prime Video went up and they added commercials. So that's the kick in the face. Not only did they increase the price, they also added commercials. So why are you increasing the price if I can't get a commercial free situation going on? You know, Peacock is the one that stayed the same, pretty much $6 every month but everyone else has jumped up apple's jumped up everyone has jumped up yeah. disney plus jumped up so yes you're right commercials now are coming in because these business models can't sustain themselves anymore but these studios are adamant that they've already created an expectation that certain content will be on their streaming services so they can't kill their streaming services so they've got to find a way to make money off of it let's put commercials in which is the thing you wanted to avoid the most by jumping into streaming services so it's 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 a sad situation for sure. And I know there's a better business model, Steve. I know people are making money off this situation who don't need to be making money off this situation. And they're passing the cost on to the consumers, which is fucked up. Well, well, that's why I hate that. I just, you know, I know I'm I'm the artist guy. I like I like the people that make the stuff more than the people that sell the stuff more than and, and they're wonderful executives in the world. They're wonderful sure, sure. people in the world. Obviously, great, I'm great people to work at studios, but you look at the way movies get made, and there's often a studio, a network, a streaming service, yeah. multiple production companies, and it's like, can't we just pay the people to make the thing? Because the 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 pipeline between like 
you look at the cinephiles. Yeah. We can make a thing and distribute it directly to people that want to watch it. There's yeah. nobody we're paying to other than, you know, YouTube takes a cut or Patreon right. takes a cut or whatever. But it's like there's all these barriers that exist between the person making the thing and the person seeing the thing. And that's why all of this costs so much damn money. Right. Well, let's, uh, we're at a 30-minute mark. Let's take a little bit of a break here, uh, and we're going to get into some movies and talk about 2023 movies uh, and uh, answer some of your Streamlabs and Super Chats that have come through as well. So let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we're also going to have a bit of announce, a couple announcements about the show uh, for those of you who are watching us. And um, uh, we'll be right back right after this. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephiles' new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. All right, Steve, uh, you know, we love to announce stuff during our live shows. Uh, we're going into 2024. Certainly a lot of uh, a lot of plans we have for the cinephiles and a big shout out to our advisory board, who has been a fantastic part of our um, new brain trust on the cinephiles over the last few months. And certainly we'll have more to come with them as well. But what are the announcements we have coming up in 2024 so far for the cinephiles? Well, we have two big ones right now. And the first one is those of you who are fans of the show, and I assume the people watching us today are, every year we've done, since the second year of the Cinephiles, we've done a deep dive into a single director. We've covered Orson Welles and Hitchcock and Kurosawa, Francis Ford Coppola, Quentin Tarantino, and Spike Lee. And we are just, John and I yesterday, recorded the very first part of what is this year's going to be our season of Martin Scorsese. That is what we are announcing right now. We are and and not only that. Initially, we were going to do two films. We, our mm. plan was to do uh, a, an episode just on his entire career, which we just recorded. Then move into our redo of Goodfellas. Our initial version of Goodfellas was one hour and nineteen minutes. That's it. So we're one hour and nineteen minutes. I am certain it'll be at least a few minutes longer than that. <laughs> maybe even two parts, maybe even three. So we're going to jump into Goodfellas and then what many people would consider to be his masterpiece, 1980s Raging Bull, which I'm super yeah. excited. But then, then as we were having our discussion going through his his entire life's work, I mentioned that the one movie I really wanted to rewatch before our conversation was The Last Temptation of Christ. And yeah. you got a twinkle in your eye, sir. That was so excited. And so I believe 
this year's Eastern film will be Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. That is that is our first major announcement. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be corn. We're going to diving into Scorsese, talking about three of his uh, uh, well-respected and revered films, um, along with other conversations about their films throughout those conversations. So I think we're going to do an excellent job uh, diving into that. And a lot of you have wanted us to revisit Goodfellas. Uh, and a lot of you have wanted us to talk about Scorsese. And considering he has Killers of the Flower Moon out, which may get some Oscar nominations here next Tuesday when they're announced, it's the perfect time to be diving into Martin Scorsese. And I think it's the first time we're diving into it with a director who has a current film out for us yeah. to discuss at the same time. So that's uh, exciting as well. Sadly, Wells did not have a current film out. No, he did not. Deep dive of his. Um, um, right. His other side of the wind was finished <laughs> just before we talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have one other announcement, which is, you know, how do we get to figure out who we will do a full season of? Well, one of the major influences and fun, in fact, the reasons that we decided on Martin Scorsese is that each year we release a listener survey. Yeah. And there are many, many questions that we would love to hear your answers on. One of them is that we still abide for the most part by our 10 year rule, which means it's now 2024. So there are movies in 2014 that are now open to for us to watch a few of them are edge of tomorrow birdman grand budapest hotel interstellar big hero six boyhood american sniper the imitation game dawn of the planet of the apes there's a whole bunch of movies from 2014 and we would like your answer on yeah. which of those movies we should do we're redoing goodfellas this year what movie what other movies should we redo there's a list here that includes mr smith goes to washington high noon planet of the apes the natural magnificent seven superman the shining apocalypse now or maybe there's some other film you want us to redo and of course which director are we going to do a deep dive into for this upcoming year and you can john is showing the list right now i'm not going to read them all but no 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 you could think of some of the greats and you could even write in your own. And of course, we have some other questions that we would love your answers on. John's going to post a link in the chat. We will post a link on all of our social media. There'll be a link in the show notes for this. And we really, really love hearing your responses. And of course, your general suggestions for things that we could do to make the cinephiles an even better podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. We love the listener survey every year, something that Steve came up with. And certainly a lot of people have responded with some great suggestions, some great ideas. So just, just fantastic stuff. Cause we certainly love all of you and you all have such incredible points of views about our show and have such love for our show. So we know we're in good hands with you all as the audience um, to guide us uh, where you think we should go with some of these uh, suggestions and some of these um, new ways to look at the show. Um, let's hit some of these Streamlabs and Super Chats as we go along, and I will put that uh, link in the chat in just a couple of minutes for people who want to jump on answering that uh, immediately. Steve, we got something here from Paul. Paul says, what 2024 movie are you not looking forward to seeing or looking forward to seeing the least? John, I feel bad for you that you have to see Madam Webb. Yes, I know. I have to see Madam Webb. By the way, that thing is coming out in just a few weeks. It's crazy. There's hardly any promotion beyond like these weird uh, pictures and uh, um, merchandise. There's really not much coming out yet. That film is going to be out in about three or four weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to watch it probably at the beginning of February. I get a screening for it. And I am not looking forward to it, especially when they just reveal the runtime being an hour and 56 minutes. Wolf. Um, Steve, is there a movie you're not looking forward to seeing or looking forward to seeing the least? in 2024 well john i looked at the list of upcoming <laughs> movies in 2024 and my honest reaction was 
Most of them. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> They're just, I just looked, I mean, like, so I've never once wa watched any of these Sony Spider-Man movies. Uh -huh, and there's okay. several. I've never seen Venom. I didn't see Carnage. I didn't, you know, and so there's like right. Craven is coming out, all those. Eh, it doesn't sound so good to me. Like there is, uh, I'm looking over at the list. There's some that I'm scared of, like Beetlejuice 2. I mean, I would love that to be great. I, I really, I have, I have hopes for that, but many fears for that. There's things like Twisters, there's Transformers yeah. coming out, there's a new Karate Kid movie coming out with yes. maybe Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio. I'd love the Karate Kid. I have deep, deep love for Jackie Chan. It's like one of my heroes. Yeah. I can't imagine that's going to be a good movie. <laughs> there's another Lord of the Rings movie coming out. Maybe that'll be good. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, I, I think I got a lot of fear. There's a Beverly Hills Cop. You know how much I love yes. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Is that going to be a good movie? I don't know, man. There's a lot. There's a I'm looking down the list of the films. I'm like, you know, no, no, no. Scared, scared, hopeful, trepidatious, yes. and a few that a few that I'm genuinely, genuinely looking forward to. How about you? Yeah, a Borderlands is the one that I'm not looking forward to um, because I'm just it's that film has taken too long to make. I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan, and it's based on that incredible video game. Uh, but right. uh, it, it is this thing has dragged on and on and on, and so to me that's a little bit of trepidation. But yes, Madam Web would actually be the number one choice for sure. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Looking forward to what that experience is going to be like. But everything else this year, I'm at least in mentally, I'm giving it a chance, right? I'm like you said, the Beverly Hills Cop Four. I'm I'm worried, but I liked the trailer. Um, there's a Lord of the Rings uh, animated uh, film coming out, Rohe War on Rohim. Or let's see what we got. There, there's a Transformers film. All right, let's see. If maybe it'll be better than Rise of the Beasts. Um, we've got the a, so a couple other big ones. You have to Furiosa coming out. Uh, That's the, hope that one. Hundred percent. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one I'm hoping is good as well, Steve, for sure. And so, you know, so I've, I have some high hopes. Hopefully, um, and we'll see what happens with that. Vincent Zawada said, "Wanted to give a shout out to Iron Claw. I cried a lot." Uh, and Oppenheimer, uh, my favorite of the year masterpiece. Yeah, uh, Steve, I don't know if you got a chance to see Iron, the Iron Claw I haven't yet. yet. Okay, I assume you saw it right away. Yes, yes, I've seen it twice now. Um, really love the movie, touching movie. Do I have some issues with how they handled some of the story within the film? Yes, because only because I'm so in. Right, right, you know, right. I just have so much knowledge about what happened with the Von Erichs that you're like, okay, why didn't they show this? Why didn't they show that? What did do? So it's a different perspective going in, but. I can pull myself out of it enough to really appreciate what a fantastic film and emotionally um, taxing film that was um, because of what happens to these boys as the film goes along and what they experience and what they go through. So I thought it was a, a fantastic film that unfortunately isn't getting enough love um, from other voting bodies. So mm. I don't know if the Oscars are going to nominate for Best Picture or if Zac Efron will somehow slide in there, in there for Best Actor. We will see, but yeah, highly recommended. But since you haven't seen it, let's move on to the Oppenheimer part of this question from Vincent Zawada. Uh, what do you think? What, where does Oppenheimer rank on your list of 2023 movies? Can you say? So when I saw it, I went and I probably was only 30 minutes in when I had this thought and I went, this is hands down best picture. Wow, the, the, I, I, I read well. And, and, and this is what I mean is that, yeah. and I, we've talked about this on the cinephiles before sure. is that, I, I am I am in general genre agnostic. Like I don't go like 
Yeah. Dramas are the most important films and comedies right. and horror films and things like that are least important. I think it's just as hard to make a great comedy or make a great horror film as it is to make a great drama. However, yeah. there are certain kinds of films that are suited to be best picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that is the Lawrence of Arabia, the Ben-Hur, the like the 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 we are we are taking a sizable swing at a big story with important and powerful themes. Yeah. And I thought Oppenheimer was great. And I and and, and you know you have heard me be critical of Christopher Nolan. Oh sure. Because I, there's just times where it's like your storytelling, you don't care about storytelling, and I care a lot about storytelling. And he sometimes has stories that are like, I don't know what the it looks amazing. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> you know, like and that and Oppenheimer, I, I was really curious about it going into it. Yeah. Is like, would he use his powers, which are incredible, for good? Yeah. And I really feel like he did. I really feel particularly when you get to the explosion of the bomb and then the like the celebration speech after it as they're yeah. discussing it and Oof. and the the complexity of the way that he shot and filmed and the performances and the music and the sound design. Do I think it goes on a bit too long in the third act? Yes, I do. Mm. But like I still think but but when it gets to where it gets to, I go, that is a profound film that I know I'm going to watch many, many times. So I do love it. Then I did see two other films in oh, this year, okay. which I went, I still, because of the kind of film it mm. is, I still think Oppenheimer is sort of the best picture of the year because it's that kind of movie. Right. But uh, The Holdovers and American Fiction, I absolutely love both of those movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Holdovers is available on Peacock now if anybody wants to stream it. Uh, Peacock's only five bucks a month if you or six bucks a month something like that if you want to watch some great uh, films that are on there and they get a lot of movies that come straight from the theater right on to peacock so just letting you know it's not a it's a good bang for your buck um but as you mentioned the um the holdovers here i think that's a film we've just we, we should discuss at some point but american fiction we did do a short on american we fiction did. so for those of you who are cinephiles uh, uh patrons you get that short uh, for you to listen to um, with American Fiction. We had a fun 20-minute conversation about that movie. And Steve and I have kind of committed that we're going to, once the announcements go down on Tuesday, uh, we will have our slate of best pictures. And Steve and I are going to bring back what we had done on, on my channel uh, two years ago, uh, yeah. which is a our own personal reviews of each of the best picture um, nominees leading into the Oscars. So that's going to be a fun thing. And the audio of that will be available on the Cinephiles Audio but the video of it will be there on my channel so for, for people to watch uh, when we do that. So it'll be fun to jump into it. And yes, I agree with you. Oppenheimer is my, I have it in 4K right here. I've watched it four times now. I know it's back out on IMAX. Um, if I didn't have the NFL playoffs this weekend, I would absolutely go and see because they're only showing one screen, one showing of IMAX every day. So uh, unfortunately, I'm going to miss it. So maybe Monday, if I've got, if I don't have too much going on, I'm going to go and treat myself to go see it at IMAX again because I just love that movie. And it makes a, a good use of, of um, the IMAX screen. Silver Trumpet says, what do you think needs to change to get people to get people to the movies? I keep hearing $30 gets you a ticket and a, a popcorn and a drink. Too much for families. Yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on that, Steve? I mean, there are programs like the Regal Unlimited, the AMC A-List, where you pay 25 bucks a month or 24 bucks a month, and you get as many movies as you want. Is that the way to go? Do parents can parents commit to that as a monthly fee for each member of their family? Like, what's your thoughts on on this uh, question here? So, first of all, there's a reason that I'm not a businessman, um, <laughs> and and I always am concerned about predictions because predictions always don't work. You know, like right. if you look at people's re records, it's almost always terrible. But I here's my here is my cockeyed optimistic hope. Okay, which is that I hope 
that the opposite of what we've been predicting actually happens. Okay. And I have a tiny bit of evidence for this, which is that the prediction for a long time has been it's the big tent event movies that are going to get people to theaters. And that, right. of course, has been largely true that, you know, Barbenheimer or whatever it is. And, you know, and obviously the Marvel movies or Star Wars movies, it's like you got to be that kind of movie and yeah. you got to get everybody to want to go see it. And what I think we've seen in 2023 is the real failure of that. Not that there aren't huge successes. There are. Yeah. But you can't just go. This is a quote unquote big movie. Yes. Like and everyone's going to see it because obviously that was not true. Right. And I've always wondered about the idea of, well, yeah, you could spend $200 million, but then you have to make a billion plus, you know, right. whereas if you spend $20 million, you could make $60 million and that's a big hit, you yes. know? Yeah. And I really, and I, both when I went to see holdovers and American fiction in the theater, they were not packed houses, right. but they were matinees with a lot of people in the movie theater. Yeah. And I heard so many, including, you know, my mom's in town again, and I, I was talking to her and she said, I just love going to the movies. It's so fun to be in the movie theater. And and I think, and I'm wondering if, is it possible that that experience actually is going to start drawing people in again? You know, is that maybe they'll be, and, and again, this is cockeyed optimism. It's probably not realistic. I wouldn't bet on what I'm saying now, right. but maybe actually making interesting, good films, not the big gigantic spectacle that maybe isn't as good is what's actually going to get people like good movies. Hey, how about that for a crazy strategy? What if we make good movies and we, for reasonable amounts of money and yeah. we put them in the theaters and see if people come to see them. That is my, that's my plan. <laughs> McDonald's is nice. Taco Bell is nice. Uh, KFC is nice. All in moderation, right? And yes, you cannot, sure. And, and, and so when you look at, um, how to appreciate and enjoy food it's when you see it's when you go to places that take the time to make you a good meal and that's what movies are M movies the good ones are a good meal you can tell that they've been prepared with care and with attention to detail uh and that they are wanting to satisfy you as a customer so i think that's where we're slowly starting to move even with the rattling of the sabers of Marvel and the rattling of the lightsabers of Star Wars, I still think what's going to bring people back and what's going to consistently bring people to the theaters are films that are thought-provoking, challenging, interesting, fun, different, new, uh, and uh, introducing uh, us to new characters and new actors and new directors and new voices in the world of film. I think we're all exhausted by the franchise pictures it doesn't mean those franchise pictures aren't still going to make their money or billions or whatever but i think for normal moviegoers you've got to have the balance you know i i don't mind the big spectacle that's my mcdonald's but i'd like to also sit down and have a nice meal that's what i really enjoy and i will pay that extra so that i'll be able to enjoy that um but as far as parents or families i think that's always a month-to-month -month situation in the, sure. in the budget and do you as a family do you as a parent really want to have fantastic movies coming out every week that you're going to be shelling out consistently a lot of money to take your family to the uh, theater. You don't want that either because it'll go drive you bankrupt. So you've got to find that balance in how you're approaching things. And I think we're slowly starting to figure that a uh, change uh, with the kind of movies that are being released. Also the kind of movies that are being released in streaming as well. So, right. Yeah. I, I, let, let me, let me, I have two more things to say. The first is just going to the movies that we we're talking about. Oppenheimer, Holdovers, and American Fiction. And yeah. let me add Barbie to that mix. Yeah, Barbie. Yeah. What what those movies all have in common 
is they were all made by filmmakers who mm -hmm. had a particular vision is that they yeah. weren't made by any ex by executives or by studios or by corporate you know corporate yeah. bigwigs can't make oppenheimer and they can't make american fiction they can't make barbie they can't make the holdovers those are made by filmmakers that's the first thing and so like actually putting more trust in people that have a particular vision, even if you don't totally understand the vision, right. like American fiction is challenging. Barbie is challenging in, in, in its way, very challenging. Yeah. And like, that's because that's how that filmmaker sees it. Yeah. You asked me about as a parent, how do I feel? And yes, there is a money issue. I mean, I am a member of AMC a list, which, you know, it's like, it's like your gym membership. It's like, if you yeah, use yeah. it, it's yeah. a great value. If yeah. you don't use it, it sucks. Yeah. Here's what I will say. What every parent is struggling with today is not the big screen it's the small screens mm, it's youtube right. and tiktok yeah. and video games which i'm not as i'm not opposed to video games but youtube and tiktok i literally it's like i can watch them rotting my son's brain in real time and so any excuse to take him to the movies i am all yes it can be expensive yes that's all true yes i don't need to get a thing of popcorn every time but he apparently does need to get a thing of popcorn and he really wants that icy too so it is expensive but oh my god i would so much rather have him go see a movie than yeah. watch the terrible crap he frequently watches on youtube and tiktok <laughs> and, and 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 i know basically anyone who's a parent listening feels exactly the same way aside from the outlaw nation which is on youtube and is i said the, it, look, if he watched you, I would be thrilled. <laughs> he watches things where it's like, and then you see like feces fall and then a cat screams. And I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just mind rotting crap most of the time. He's like, dad, I got, I tell you, do you know this meme? I'm like, Jackson, you, I don't know the meme. I don't, I just accept that. I don't know what the hell that is. Sorry. Um, all right. Paul says, would you guys consider doing a month of the Coen brothers with raising Arizona Fargo blood simple and big Lebowski watch along. And a big Lebowski watch. That's a great suggestion, Steve. Well, listen, it's on our listener survey. Yeah. The Cone Brothers is one of your options. So, yeah, the answer is yes. Yes, we would absolutely consider that. And we've put, uh, I put in the listener survey, I've, I put it in the chat there. So, if you want to click on that link uh, and uh, fill it out, feel free to do so. I'll post it a couple of times as we go along through the show. Paul also says, What do you think about Best Buy getting rid of physical media? This is a great question. I think it's a sad situation. It's not good to rely on just streaming services to deliver films. Thank God for public libraries. Let me add on to this to say that today, one of the video game companies, uh, one of the representatives came out and said, don't get used to buying video games. That they're essentially implying that you're going to be able to just download video games or rent video games digitally, electronically, instead of owning the physical media. So, Steve, are we seeing the beginning of the end of physical media? And just like we're running towards a cliff, is there nothing that can be done about it because these studios are not going to invest in it because people don't buy it at the numbers that they used to. So there, I think there are two issues here okay. that are, that are, that are related. One issue is the, the difference between the nature of physical media versus streaming, streaming services in terms of quality. Right. The other issue is money, which is that yeah. just like, just like Photoshop and Microsoft and all these other companies, yeah. they want you to subscribe to them rather than by the by thing by thing and that's what i was saying before in terms of streaming services like i want to have a relationship with the creator and buy the thing that i want to watch right but they don't want that they want your nine dollars or fifteen dollars your 19.99 every month right. and so they want like hey you can have all the games yeah. you just have to pay us every single month because they know in the long run they're going to make more money that way yep. and i think that's i think that's really troublesome i think in terms of the physical media argument, 
there is just no question at this moment in time that physical media, particularly a beautifully made, well-produced from a great transfer with a great soundtrack, 4K physical media is better than anything we've ever seen ever. Mm. What I will say is that for most people and most eyeballs, and you know, you did quality control on video. Yes. I did quality control. I don't have the best eyeballs. I have okay ears. Most of the time, if you have a good internet connection, that streaming version is way better than anything you had 15 years ago. You know <laughs> what I mean? True. That's true. It's really good. But there is nothing. I mean, like I had a friend come down and I have the 4K Blu-ray of Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. And I have a, you know, I have a nice TV and a good surround sound system. I put it in for my friend, David, who listens to the show. And David went, wow. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it looks real good, doesn't it? I mean, it's you can't beat it. Yeah. No, 100% agree. Um, yeah, I'm heartbroken by uh, the loss of physical media because I am was one. Of, I am a hunter gatherer. I am one of those men who are hunter gatherers. Right. One of those people who are hunter gatherers, and movies were my hunter gathering. You know, I, I um, blue. I had uh, DVDs up the yin yang for every film possible. Then when Blu-ray came along, I bought Blu-rays of just about every DVD I ever had. Then when 4K came along, that's when I became much more uh, uh, selective in what I transferred over. Now I hear there's 8K coming, 20K coming, uh, and um, and Criterion is something that I've always uh, been proud of owning. I, as you can see behind me there, I have those criteria. That's all my, it's a, just a section of my Criterion stuff is there. My 4K stuff is here. So these are the things I like to accumulate them because I love movies, but I also know that, you know, the new generations don't give a shit about owning the physical copy of this stuff. They want, as Steve has spoken about with his son in, in times past, anything he wants to watch, he can just click it and boom, he's it's on his iPad, it's on his iPhone or whatever he's using, he can watch it. And that's what the new generation is now. The new generation is what can I watch quickly on the fly? Where can I watch it? How can I have access to it quickly? I don't want to spend the time buying it with plastic opening it up putting it in the thing finding the chapter no i just want to get to it and so that's the uh, difference there and unfortunately that's what's causing physical media because the people who bought physical media were the young people the young people bought physical media the young people found pride in creating their stacks they would brag about their bookshelves of movies for many many years the young people nowadays don't do that so that's going to affect the bottom line and i and sadly that's that's the way things are going to go and there will be a time where we have no physical media or yeah, rare physical media, and that's heartbreaking. Well, and and, and I'll say something too. And I, you yeah. know, we're all cinephiles here. We're all friends. We're all part of the same tribe. <laughs> we're all friends the, here, Dale. Yeah, go ahead. The, the reality is, most people don't see movies the way that we do. Yeah, you know, true. I can't true. tell you how many times I've been to someone's house. It happens less now because the TVs are better. And yeah. Someone has their their high def TV, and the aspect ratio is wrong, so everybody is you know short and fat or skinny and tall because they have it wrong or they're getting. I was at a friend's house who I love dearly, not the most technologically savvy. And they were watching, uh, we were watching the Cal football game and they were playing it from the st standard deaf feed because they yeah. didn't know how to get to the HD feed. And I'm sitting there going, can we please, can we please find the HD feed? And they're like, what, what's the problem? Because most people, they just yeah. don't know. They don't know what the difference, they don't know what they're missing. You know, like I, how many people do I know that have their, their brightness way up or just have it in the, you know, the picture setting from the, the, they've got it when they got it in Best Buy or they have their sound, 
like all wrong and it yeah. just like drives me nuts well it's, but it doesn't drive them nuts right you know and so we are a rarity and now that everything is available in generally pretty good quality yeah physical media is it's in, it's going to be in trouble yeah yeah i don't yeah. disagree with you there uh vincent zawada one last uh comment here says for the redo this year amadeus well we certainly have that plans for amadeus in 2024 we had had plans in 2023 for amadeus but uh I, we do have plans for amadeus in 2024 so watch out for that down the road here from the cinephiles in 2024 um, but by the way another one that's on our uh it's on the survey if people want to pick it i literally just rewatched in the last few days and that is the magnificent seven so if oh. we get a lot of votes on magnificent seven i think it was like our 12th episode or something i would i'd be very excited i the other night i stayed up till one in the morning because i i have this app i don't know if you know this app steve pluto tv it's this app where you can just download on whatever. I had it on. I have it on the um, Apple TV. People can get it on the Roku, whatever. Yeah. And it pl- it has ten streaming movie channels, and they stream uncut, but they do stream with commercials. So you have to sit through one commercial, two or three commercials every few minutes, um, in the thing. And I stayed up to watch Magnificent Seven, uh, yet again. Okay. It's just from the opening scene with Chris and Vin riding that stagecoach up there to face those guys who in essence are racists uh, to the ending sequence, which is very similar to the end of, of course, Akira Kurosawa's Samurai, which is the influence there where they're like, well, where are you going? Where are we going next? You know? And yeah. if I had had the strength to stay up another two hours, I would have watched Guns of Magnificent Seven, which was coming on right afterwards. So it was nice to have an app where I can't control it. I can't stop it. I can't fast forward it. I can't reverse it. I am at the will of the app, and I like that and was able to enjoy it. Yeah, old school, exactly. So I enjoy that very much. So if any of you don't have the Pluto TV app, I can't recommend it enough. Old shows are on there. Cheers. And high def, by the way. If they've been transferred high def, they are available on high def on Pluto TV. So if you want to kind of go back to the old days where you couldn't uh, stop or fast forward and you had to watch the show, you can relive that experience on Pluto TV. So I highly recommend it for you all. Um, okay, so let me hit some Streamlabs, Steve, and then we'll take another break and then uh, discuss a few things and wrap up here. Evermore Industry Ministries says, first and most importantly, thank you all both for all you do. You are very appreciated. Do you do you think that Across the Spider-Verse will be nominated for Best Picture? And do you ever think an animated feature has a shot at actually winning Best Picture? Steve. Uh, my answer is yes to both. I okay. think, I think it's possible. I think I don't, it's funny. I love across the spider verse and I, and many, many, many people do. I, I don't feel like it had the groundswell that, uh, into the spider verse yes. yeah. in the same sense. Um, I think things happen. I think this is like a generational question. I think for mm. people that grew up like we're little kids growing up, whether it was like the little mermaid Aladdin era or the toy story, the rise of Pixar era. Yeah. I don't think that generation is going to see animated films in the way that previous generations did. So I think it will eventually. What do you think? Yeah. I I don't think that it will get nominated for best picture this year, although I would love it to be nominated. And if it is, I will be super happy and stand atop the mountain and yell out my joy because I think that film is great and it's better than Into the Spider-Verse, in my opinion. So I would love to have see, to see it be nominated, but I think there's still too much of a bias towards animated films and especially animated superhero films for some of the fuddy-duddy critics to not, or sorry, some of the fuddy-duddy voters 
to not vote for that film to be best picture. And it says something. How many critics organizations have we seen over the last few months not put it in their nominations for best picture? And that tells me that there isn't as strong as Steve said, groundswell to get it into it. But if it sneaks in there and gets it, that would be awesome. I just think there's been a lot of great movies in 2023. So I don't know if it'll break through. Now, as for will it, will one win down the road? 100%. 100%. Who thought a superhero film would get nominated for Best Picture? Who thought someone playing the Joker could win an Oscar twice for Best Actor? So there are there, these things are there to be set up to be broken. At some point down the road, there will be an animated film that will absolutely capture the pop culture zeitgeist and people will be unable to not vote for it for Best Picture uh, when it comes up at the Oscars, for sure. Um, thank you very much, Evermore Ministries. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, Justin Toner says, hi, guys. I got to see a decent amount of movies in 2023. My top three in order were Oppenheimer, Godzilla Minus One, and The Iron Claw. Also really enjoyed the Dungeons & Dragons movie. A nice surprise. Look forward to the next advisory board meeting. Thank you, Justin. Uh, yeah, Steve. Any thoughts on on Godzilla minus one? Did you get a chance? I haven't to see seen that? it yet. N next week, so next week I don't. I, I uh, Karen has Jackson, so I have uh, more time. And next week I am going to do a bunch of movies, and that is high on the list. Steve Jones says he wants to see that with me. If I can get nice. him away, we're going to go see Godzilla minus one. Um, and what was the other one he mentioned? Uh, oh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, Dungeons yes. and Dragons. I watched it. That movie does exactly what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. You know, that's all I have to say about that. More to say, sorry. No, yes, no. It was a lot of fun. That movie should have done better at the box office. I'm glad there's still conversations about a sequel happening. So that's good because it really is one of those feel good movies. And I think people yeah. are discovering it on streaming on Par. I think it's on Paramount uh, more and more. So that's a, a good thing. And, and we definitely have to do a short on Godzilla minus one once you watch it. Sure. Um, and Justin also says uh, the movies in 2024 I'm most excited to see are Dune Part 2, Godzilla versus Kong, the new X, the new oh Godzilla X Kong, the new Empire, The Fall Guy, Deadpool 3, Furiosa. My fingers are crossed for Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley on Netflix. Hoping it will be good. I also want to check out some Argyle in February. Yeah, absolutely. Argyle being the um Henry Cavill. Uh, Sam Rockwell, yeah, movie mm -hmm. with Vice Dallas Howard that looks really fun. The, the The Fall Guy, the Fall Guy is that's either going to be that's either going to hit or miss. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, you know. great trailer, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break. And thank you, Justin. Appreciate the Streamlabs, uh, and we'll jump into just a couple more things, and then we'll wrap it up here as we uh, uh, finish up our first live episode of 2024 here. From the cinephiles we'll be right back right after this all right steve anything more you want to talk about from 2023 or any films that you were looking forward to in 2024 that you want to bring up for our discussion here i think we mentioned most of the ones like furiosa dune um deadpool 3 i really hope is good you know, th those those are the big ones uh mickey 17 which is the new boom yeah. uh, bong joon ho film i mean certainly i always want to see his films um I man, you know, I said earlier that I listened to the Geek Buddies, yes. and for much of it, I go, man, I, I I wouldn't know what to say about this. But there are other times where I really want to talk about certain topics. May I may I quickly jump on Please. one of those? Yes. So I don't normally get to talk about the Star Wars and the DC mm, and the Marvel and all those things that are going on. And obviously, we have seen the decline of Marvel and lots of scrambling to figure things out. And I just want to tell you the thought that I had, okay. and it came from some conversations you and I were having about Star Wars stuff. And I was just thinking about 
you've read many of the same things and watched the same documentaries I have about the making of Star Wars. Yeah. And the thing that really strikes me about the first, particularly the first Star Wars film, is just how damn lucky they were to make any kind of a decent movie at all. That movie was so close to being a disaster for so many reasons, but they ended up because ILM managed to pull it together in the last minute. John Williams came in with great music. Marsha Lucas managed to edit a movie that wasn't working at all. You had actors who threw out the script and started improvising their own lines, which made the movie way better because George Lucas isn't a great writer, and you got a great movie. I recently listened to that Marvel Cinematic Universe book. Oh, yeah. And the big response I had listening to it was, man, they got lucky. They got so lucky. And I'm not saying that these aren't amazingly talented people. I think that they are. But I think people underestimate just how hard this was to pull off. And if you listen to what how Iron Man got made, you listen to how Guardians got made, you listen to all the chaos around all of these films as they're making them, and they managed to pull it off. And I think, and this is the big thought that I had, is I think the belief, both by those filmmakers and those studios making those movies, and by the fans is that it was all it wasn't luck they really knew what they were doing in ways that clearly they didn't yeah and what i actually think has happened is the luck has run out you know mm. is they they doubled down on things and and, and it's funny and i'll say this because we are going to continue to some degree to do at least the really good marvel movies yeah, yeah. Uh, in the, on the 10 year anniversary and this will be the 10 year anniversary of one of my favorite marvel movies which is Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie that I realize I'm going to put into my Steve category of great films that ruin Hollywood. Because, <laughs> and the reason is, is because I think Guardians of the Galaxy made Marvel think they could do anything. Yeah. Because you take a bunch of characters that nobody cares about, they're not famous characters, nobody knows them, they're all oddballs, and you make this great movie that we fall in love with. And they go, I guess we can take anything. And we'll just always, it'll always work out. And that's where it falls apart is yeah. no, you can't, you can't skip steps. You can't skip steps in Ahsoka and, you know, for Star Wars, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, they can't skip steps with the Mandalorian. You can't just throw in random characters into Wakanda forever. You can't just mess around with all of the stuff. D- I don't know what the fuck DC was doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I have only watched half of the movies that came out. I watched the flash mm-hmm. and it's just like, what the fuck? What is this? You know, like you just, it, the, the, I think the luck leads to arrogance. And I think that is, and now we're seeing, it's like classic Greek tragedy. Now we're seeing the fall of what happens when you think your luck was actually all skill. Yeah. I I think it's a great uh, line from Copland uh, from Robert De Niro. I gave you a chance and you blew it. Yeah. That seems to be what you're seeing. And I agree, Stephen. And look, a lot of people are still cheering for them to bounce back. We love a comeback story as much as we love to, we love to uplift a, a a particular thing, and then we like to destroy it, and then we like to see if it can come back. And so uh, I think right now Marvel and Star Wars are in that place where they have to find a way to come back. DC making the James Gunn switch. I think people are excited to see what's going to come there. With Marvel and Star Wars, it's much more cautious optimism or trepidation about what they're going to do. And hearing the changing stories of what's going on with Star Wars behind the scenes, them all having announced three films at a Star Wars Celebration, then all of a sudden announcing another film, theatrical film, to come out ahead of those three films uh, wreaks a little bit of desperation to get people to feel excited about the uh, franchise again. And on the Marvel side of things, they're still shoving in a lot of stuff. Echo was a bit underwhelming for a lot of people, although it did nice numbers overall initially. 
Um, but people are not that excited about going forward. They didn't go see the Marvels that crashed and burned. Secret Invasion was terrible. So now you're like, okay, how do you bounce back? How are you going to put it together? Well, we've got this Deadpool 3 movie coming out. So what's going on today? All over social media, there's like four, a four-minute video from the set. Ryan Reynolds had begged people not to post stuff. It's not going to stop people. They just want right. to. They need their clicks. They need their likes. They need they, they need that dopamine of people stroking their hair by getting likes on their on their posts. And so they're going to post that stuff. And that's unfortunately the end result of it. So when the Marvel star movies start coming out, people are going to be all over this stuff and maybe even grind it to death. And that's the thing at the end of the day. It's not just the artists and the creators. It's us as fans. It's us as critics. It's us as pundits or reviewers who are also grinding this thing to dust. Because every little nuance and every little thing is being dissected and discussed and analyzed from every possible point of view so that we can get our views, we can get our clicks, we can get our likes, we can make our money. Um, and then we want to say to them, "When and you better get the film right. You know, So there's a lot that we also as fans and critics and pundits have to take responsibility for, especially the toxic ones, have to take responsibility for what we're doing to the franchises that we claim to love. You know, especially as we go into 2024. So, I I, I think yeah, there's a whole yeah, there's a whole system built around because they go, how do we build buzz about this film? Mm. How do we get people excited about this film? Because that's when we get people to see the film. Of course, and frequently that's at odds with how do we make the good film? Yeah. You know, and I think the movies that we talked about the most, Oppenheimer, American Fiction, Holdovers, yeah. these are all movies that do deliver but they don't deliver in the way that you want them to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they aren't making it easy for you because I mean, if you think about like, think about Captain American Winter Soldier or think about the dark, the dark night, you know, like yeah, yeah, these yeah. are movies that we really like, but they're, they're hard. It's yeah. certain it's at certain times, you know, it's like, and they feel like there's a vision of a filmmaker and guardians of the galaxy is a perfect example of one where that's a vision of a filmmaker, black Panther yeah. vision of a filmmaker yeah. Yeah. And, and not necessarily what we expect. And that's actually what we like. And then you have this other stuff. It's like, and this is why there are many reasons why I don't have a huge career in Hollywood. But one of them is that I don't like all of the, how do we build buzz about stuff? I want to make the good thing. I don't understand. It, it just, I find it also dis distasteful. All of the, you know, someone posted about clickbait articles and fans jumping on a trailer and talking about a piece of costume or a hairstyle and like yeah. they're ruining the thing. And it's like, wait to see the fucking movie, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't know what it is yet, you know? Yeah. That's why, that's why when, you know, when I said what I said the other day on, on the hot mic and I was talking about Charmino Obey Chinoy, I was saying like, people need to calm down. You know, people need to be okay. Uh, that it's, she is she is um, making a film. She said she's going to make the film from a woman's point of view. She's happy to have that. And all she was saying is that as a director, it's the first time a female director is going to direct a Star Wars film from the female point of view. The script is still being written by a man. The movie is still going to star a woman in, in, in Daisy Ridley as Rey. But she as a filmmaker is the first feature film director who is female who is going to be able to construct a film from a woman's point of view. And people just overreacted to it and were like, oh, Marsha, Marsha Lucas was editing Star Wars. It's, it's not the same thing as directing it. It's not the same thing. And so this is what she was trying to say. And people went all the way back to 2015 to try to attack her as some kind of activist director. And it's like, these are the things that destroy franchises, that you're not, you have a toxic element that is not going to allow new voices that they don't approve of 
coming in to talk to their franchise, to, to, to direct stuff in the franchise, yet they want to claim that's the toxic stuff. And that's the thing that is mind-numbing to me as I watch this stuff. And I'm bringing this up because Adelardo Fuente is asking this question. Do you think a time when we could have conversations about movies without having a mob coming after you for your taste or opinions will ever come back? Um, not until the death of social media. That's, that's the honest truth. Not until the death of social media will that ever come back. Um, I do think the tide is cresting where people are now finding the strength to push back against the toxic elements that are essentially just grifting to make money off people with their opinions. People are, in my opinion, people are pushing back on that. I do sense the tide is turning where more positive, more level-headed approaches are coming from, uh, from uh, certain people in the fandom, certain people who are pundits. And I hope that's uh, what is going to amount a pushback against some of the toxic elements and they become the minority voice instead of the majority voice on social media. We shall see. But Steve, what do you think? Do you think there's ever a time when we could have conversations about movies without having the mob coming after you for your taste or opinions? Well, I, I think let, let's take out about movies and just yeah. say, do we think we could have conversations without having a mob come after you for your taste? <laughs> <or opinions? laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, because I think it's all part of the same thing. I, I think, I don't think it's a, do, do do will i don't think it's a will it ever happen i think it is it has to happen uh, fair we're in deep shit if it doesn't happen yeah, yeah, yeah i think there must have been a time in history where someone invented the if you can't say something nice don't say anything at all because things were so shitty because everyone was saying exactly what popped into their mind and civilization was falling apart right and we are falling into that moment again where you know my dad used to say you have you have two ears and one mouth you should use them in that ratio <laughs> you know, is that that's what we need to start doing. We need to start shutting ourselves up yeah. and go and, and hearing something that I really don't like that. And, and, and taking a moment to not go, therefore I must destroy this person, you right. know, right. but go, okay, someone has an opinion. I really don't like, I mean, the, the reality is you and I both expressed opinions that the other one really didn't like. Yeah. And the reason the show is good is that we kept talking. Yeah. Of we course. didn't shut each other down. We went, sometimes we say like, I really don't like that opinion, yeah. you know, but like, this is the thing is that we have to find a way to be able to have civil discourse over things that are much, much more difficult than who is directing that movie right. or whether or not the character did what you wanted them to do. Look, I dislike what Luke's character does in last Jedi. Yeah. I do not think that is consistent with his character. Absolutely. I, I, I but I'm not, angry about it right i don't vilify anyone for doing it i disagree with this choice i also think that anyone who's made movies or done anything else that's difficult knows that these things are actually really 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 complicated yeah. you're working so hard to do so many things you're talking about costume design and camera blocking and the character movement you've got 17 different takes of a of a shot a different reaction shot you've got different angles you're going to bring in different music you're doing all this stuff trying to create an emotional moment yeah. like the idea that like I'm just putting out a political opinion that it's like, that's not how movies get made. Right. And if you don't like the, if the movie didn't work on you, then say the didn't movie didn't work on you. And I'll say right now, if a movie's entire purpose is to flog a political position, yeah. it's probably not going to work on me either. Right. But if it's a movie yeah. like again, American fiction or Oppenheimer, they're both dealing with really, really complicated, heavy issues. And yeah. both movies forced me to think over and over again. They didn't, weren't just trying to go, this is what's right, and these people are good, and these people are bad. That's not what those movies were doing. That's why they're really good movies, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, people ignore seem to ignore the fact that a lot of these franchises have their source material in activist approaches. So right. you know, I think people are people say other people are activists only when they don't agree with their points of views. When you're you're spouting my point of view, I don't think you're an activist. You seem logically smart to me. But if someone's spouting a different point of view, they're an activist. So it just becomes a, 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 um, a dog chasing its tail in the end. Can I, can uh, I say one? I used to say one really quick thing. Sure. There's people who heard this who listened who to Enterprise Incidents, you know, mm. the Star Trek show. Is I think the genius, the one of the true geniuses that I discovered when we did Enterprise Incidents of the original series is that it is both a conservative and a liberal show. Mm. Is that there? You've got Captain Kirk, who's the guy who has the plan, who's going to kick ass and do what's right and force other people into. He's the militaristic guy, and then you also have this communal. Everybody has to get along. This mm. sense of diversity of different points of view, and they're both operating together. And that's what makes the one of the things that makes the original series great is and like, throw, yeah, yeah, and, and throwing in an intellectual like Spock, who's the balance yeah. there as well, yeah, and an emotional guy like McCoy, and we're going to have the argument, and it's like. This is so, so yes, we need to be able to have these conversations like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy about difficult topics. That's what yeah. we have to do or we're fucked. Yeah, exactly. And still stay friends for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, Maria says, I love a bill. I love a Bill Murray quote from an interview. He said, it's hard to make a good movie. It's hard to make a bad movie. So there you go. Yeah. It, it's absolutely One of the true. biggest lessons I learned in film school <laughs> is that it's really, really hard to make a bad movie. Yeah, exactly. So. All making movies is hard period um all right we should wrap it up there Stephen. let's there's anything more you wanted to bring up nope. to discuss and talk about okay well thank you all so much for joining us we appreciate it. we had 50 of you joining us for a majority of this conversation i'm sure more of you are going to listen to it and talk about it later i hope we you enjoyed us revisiting some of the big issues from 2023 talking about some of the movies that we're looking forward to seeing in 2024 maybe some of the trends uh that we will be monitoring as we jump into 2024 thanks for the stream labs and the super chats and i uh I think with Steve's permission, I also say thank you very much for being fans of the cinephiles, for listening to us for all these years. For those of you who are patrons, thanks so much for supporting us um, at the levels that you support us. For those who are not patrons, thanks so much by supporting us for just listening and telling other people about our show and bringing new people to our show. We always appreciate that madly. Steve, uh, any final words you want to say as we uh, wrap up this show here? Do you want to get, we have one more uh, question that just yeah, came I'll do in. That. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll jump into that. Paul said, right, let me ask you guys a serious question. Are you afraid of what our world will be like in 2025? Or do we have a chance to turn things around or stem the tide of hate this year in 2024? This year is crucial. That's a very big conversation. It's maybe out of the scope of the cinephiles, yeah. but um, we might. What do you think, Steve? You want to address it? Here's what I'll say, Paul. Paul, if this had been a $1.99 question, I think I wouldn't have tried to answer it at all. But you, you spent $9.99, <laughs> and I appreciate the yeah. investment. I will give a real short answer. When I said at the beginning that there were all these things heading towards a cliff and people saying mm -hmm. there's nothing we can do to stop it, that's how I feel. I literally was listening. We're not going to get into this at all. And, and something I haven't spoken about publicly because I find it very complicated. Yeah. But I was listening to the Ezra Klein show discussing Israel and Palestine mm -hmm. and the amount of serious conversation about heading into World, world War Three was real scary. Like yeah. between yeah. the election between in Ukraine and Israel and Palestine and a bunch of other things going on in the world. You're right. This is a crucial year. And we got to be able to turn. And I, I don't think the world's going to be destroyed, mm. but we're heading towards some scary stuff. That's what I think. 
Yeah, and of course the Hote Rebels. What's going on with there in the water uh, there with uh, what we're doing with those uh, Iranian-backed rebels and how we're having war, uh, battles with them out there on the water as well is another thing to add to the uh, I'm scared of what's going to happen in 2025 bingo card. But I also say this, and I and again, this may be running me running to the cliff with my head up, uh, not uh, not being worried enough about the cliff. Is as as scared as I am everything, and I am, I am, and you guys know I'm. Those of you who follow me on my own social media, you know I'm very politically aware of what's going on in the world. I have no problem talking about it. We have survived so many things through the history of our country. We have survived and overcome so many things. World, multiple world wars wars ourselves um plagues uh um violence um uh, protests all kinds of things have happened and we've always seemed to change for the better we've always seemed to move towards progressiveness uh and i think that's where we always tend to move as a country maybe not as quickly as some people may like but we do inherently want to find the fair solution so i have faith that no matter what happens we will find a way to counter it I have faith in the universe that it will allow us to uh, uh, find the ways to counter it uh, as we go along. So although I am scared, I am also hopeful that there are enough intelligent people, competent people um, who are going to lead us into a better place and that people will follow, enough people will follow who want to live in a better place, devoid of all the toxicity and anger and division that we see now in our world, you know? So that, that's, that's how I would answer your question. Um, and that goes for movies too. I mean, that goes absolutely for movies too, uh, in that vein. So thanks so much, uh, Paul, we appreciate your question to kind of wrap up the show. And Steve, as I was saying to you, uh, any final words here as we end our first live show of 2024? Well, first of all, it's great to be back. It's great to be back. We haven't actually done a live show in a long time. So this yes. is a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun seeing everyone's comments and hearing everyone. And of course, We'd love you to uh, tune in for our upcoming season of Martin Scorsese. Yeah. We'd love you to fill out that Cinephiles listener survey. I can already see. I actually know which movies are in the lead, which directors are in the lead, because <laughs> I can see what some of the answers have already been. That's really exciting, so please fill that out. Of course, you can um, subscribe to the show right here on the YouTube channel. And if you haven't hit the like button or subscribe, please do so now. You can go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or a whole bunch of other places, Overcast, Downcast, to become subscribers of the Cinephiles. If you're on Apple Podcasts and have time to leave a review, that would be fantastic. If you want to buy or stream every movie we've ever reviewed, you can go to cinephiles.net. And we've mentioned it many times, but patreon.com slash the cinephiles, where we are once again rolling out another, I believe, new feature for the $5 tier that is going to be fantastic. we yeah. got other announcements coming on, uh, ways to be involved with the cinephiles. And if you want to reach me, it's SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. And you guys can reach me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch. Here I'm posting the um, survey yet again in in the chat. There for some of you who may have come in a little bit later. Want to click on it to vote. Um, and, and speaking of Twitch, if you, I know this is a bit of a left turn, but any of you are going to be watching the NFL playoff games. I will be doing live watch-alongs of those games there. So come and join me uh, on Twitch or on my YouTube sports channel on Game Time for this weekend. But other than that, you can find me on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We love you madly. We're looking forward to a great 2024 and some fantastic discussions around movies and fantastic discussions with you all about these movies. Don't forget about our Facebook page. Don't forget about our Patreon. Do all the things you can to be a part of supporting us here as we go into 2024 and until next time uh we will talk to you then with another brand new live show here 
For my partner, Steve Morris, I am the outlaw, John Roca. Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next time on The Cinephiles. Peace.